going to be a nugget of gold. And when you hear it, you're going to be like, this guy, low key, fucking 200 IQ. Is a malaka. That's what I'm going to think. <laughs> nah, you're going to you're going to you're going to say this is literally what you say. You'll listen to it and you'll go, touche, touche, my friend. It doesn't 100%. matter how. Pardon? It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter how high IQ it is. Can you hit the fairways off with the driver? If not, who gives a fuck? Point. Mate, with the new D9 that I ran out at um, yeah, new Glenmore, one. mate, straight and true. You had a new driver. No, the D9. So I've got. Oh, are you getting another one? No, straight and true. Um, all right, anyway, let's, let's let's start the the pod. Um, all right, so <laughs> evening and welcome to another episode of the Racing Live podcast the night after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. As usual, I'm with the two boys, Joe and Harry. Welcome to another episode, lads. Um, let's Thanks, get Harry. straight into it. So tonight we're going to be talking about um, the latest um, uh, adventure from the Formula One. Um, last night we'll also uh, have a bit of a yarn about supercars and what the new formula in that category is looking like, particularly at a, at a track um, where passing is, you know, traditionally pretty high. Um, what that looked like, what the racing looked like, what the parity uh, and the formula is looking like at a whole. So we'll jump straight into it. As a, Azerbaijan Grand Prix could have counted on one hand uh, the amount of overtakes that took place. It was a little bit like being on a carousel when kind of, you know, when you're on the horse and the horses get closer and further apart, but you never really get ahead of anyone. It was a bit like that. What did you boys make of the race? What did you make of the weekend? Give me your unbridled opinions. I thought that the sprint race was actually pretty good. As um, I don't know what you guys thought, but I was pretty entertained with the sprint race. I thought the qualifying was was F1 qualifying, so I wasn't disappointed in that. Um, I think the race was probably yeah. a bit underwhelming. But having said that, being the optimist, I will say that there was a few silver linings. I liked how um, there is at least an eight-car, sort of like an eight-car grid at the, at the front of the grid that, like when you think about it, we've never had it that that car coming eight in a race can do a pit, a pit, a pit at the end of the race to go for fastest lap. Um, so I thought that is at least maybe a step in the right direction. I thought the battle between the Ferraris and the Astons was pretty compelling. Um, I enjoyed that Verstappen lost the, that Verstappen couldn't get ahead of Perez once the um, that order was was sorted. And I think Perez deserves a lot of props for driving the wheels off that car really to keep him behind him. And I think if you look at the back end of the grid, the last ten car, uh, the last twelve cars. It is nice to see that those last 12 cars, I think the only team that finished line to stern was the um, was the Alpine. So as boring as it was, I think there was a nice spread of cars. Like it wasn't sort of flying formations. Hey, just what were your, what were your the, like, positive takeaways from the weekend? What kind of story stood out to you? 
uh, I was a bit worried that we'd get the same person on pole for both races. So it was good that we had different pole pole sitters. Um, same three cars in the top three, but that's fine. That's kind of expected. Um, I don't know how I feel about the new format for the sprint weekends. I feel that what happens in the r- sprint race should impact the starting grid. Just, I just feel like they're just too disconnected and it felt, I don't know, I come away from the weekend thinking, that it felt like a weird weekend. Like a mini weekend, a proper weekend. It gives yeah. the sprint race no jeopardy. That's the thing. That's right. Um, I think Checo did a good job. Um, I said to you today, Anthony, I think moving forward from here for the rest of the season, it'll be interesting to see when the street circuits start to be phased out. We go to the more traditional circuits, whether he can keep on pace with Max for the rest of the season. Um, Cause I remember last year we were at Monaco and there were the same similar questions being asked. Is he going to battle for the championship? And then it just completely fell away. So I'll be interested to see in his third year at the team, if he's going to push Max the whole way, but, and Max and George was probably the most entertaining part of the yeah. weekend. A bit bitchy to be honest with you, I thought. Mm. But like, for on, on Max's part. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I actually thought that was a really, entertaining bit of racing. I, I was happy that someone took it to Verstappen. Yes, they touched. Yes, there was a little bit of carbon fibre, like a carbon fibre footprint, bit of a hole in the side pod, but in a part of the track where it's so tight, the fact that neither of them ended up in the wall, I think both of them have to get a lot of credit for that racing and to just kind of bitch and moan about, about that. Mm. Um, particularly in a environment right now where at the front of the grid, I wouldn't say there, there's a whole, you know, a, a range of passing that's taking place. I don't know. I thought it was a little bit weak, not weak, but just like pointless. I really enjoyed the racing. I'm happy that someone took it to him. Verstappen deserved as much credit as as George for defending the way he did and and, and still getting the job done. So I'm not really, I'm not, I don't, I'm not having a go at him. Um, for his race craft, it was awesome. It's just kind of, you know, living that VI kind of felt. It was really good to to watch as a fan. Um, so that part I really did enjoy. As for the race, I don't know. Um, felt like it was a bit of a waste of two hours, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'll tell you what I was actually thinking. So at the end of the race, I, I kind of said, I'll tell you exactly what I said. While you look at doing that, I I'm glad that it was a nine o'clock start and not a bloody Thank God. midnight yeah. start, and I didn't stay up for it. Like that would have shit me to tears if that had happened. So, um, I'm worried that we're going to Miami next, <laughs> and then we're going to get another one. But um, yeah, Joe, what are your Let thoughts? Me, can I tell you this? Yeah, go. So this is what I said. Stuff me. You can use your imagination for that. What a boring race, FFS. Thomas, in it. Harry, yep. F1 is a merry-go-round, man. Why the hell do I do this to myself? Then you said, come on, mate. Australia was epic. Then I said, Miami is next, dot, dot, dot. Then I was thinking about (laughs) how epic Australia was, right? You know why Australia was epic? Because thank God we got those two red flags at the end. Yeah, but it was still a good race throughout. There was good still race, passing. But there wasn't a whole lot of there wasn't a whole lot of overtaking either. But we had that massive crescendo at the end that kind of gave everyone that mm. far out. What a race! You know what I mean? Like because all that chaos happened at the end. But for the eighty five percent of it, pretty similar. 
and and this is kind of what I was also thinking about this afternoon. Can I give you a hypothetical Formula One scenario? Okay. All right. Imagine Formula One went back to a traditional track, a track where the like the topography of the land actually played an impact on the track. So there was rolling turns, you know, grass on the sides of the track. So imagine ML- they're racing a, a traditional circuit. MLR Spa, etc. Something like that. Yep. And then Pirelli designed tyres that actually faded away. So you had a race winner that did like a three-stop strategy. And the strategy on the pit wall was a decision between a two-stopper and a three-stop strategy. And you had a winner of an F1 race that did a three-stop strategy with overtaking on the outsides, with high wheel spin, with a lot of, you know, shifts in positions based on the tyres that were being used based on the strategies. Imagine if you had a Formula 1 race where that happened. Joe, I know where he's going with this. Do you? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> do you know like Yeah, was, because you watched IndyCar this week. Yeah, that that's right. This morning. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I was I was that actually having morning. very similar thoughts though. I was, one second, one second. I'm, I know where this is going. Let me. Just, I'm, not, listen, let me I'm not here to bitch about it. I'm just going to say. No, no, no. The answer I was. The answer was literally on eight hours after that race finished, and we've spoken about it at nauseum. So I don't want to rehash old conversations. But I think that what this weekend highlighted for me was there was so much motorsport to watch, and I watched a lot of it. Um. And you can you can easily see from the motorsport that was on on display this weekend a clear formula for good racing. If you look at where supercars went to um, so Barbagello, yeah. So supercars were at Barbagello, a very simple track. Most corners are pretty, you know, uh, geometric. I dig. Um, but a high deck track, it does have undulation. Let's just go with the geometric shapes. But the thing with the supercast tires is, is that the once they go off, the lap delta drops off so significantly that it 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 plays a massive impact on on like on positioning when um if you choose to pit early or to have to run it mid through the race. Fair enough. Like that. That's a that's a in itself a good point for what constitutes a more strategic race and allows teams to sort of mix it up. Then you look at the Grand Prix of Alabama this morning, like what Ant was saying, when you put a track that has sort of rolling hills, fast, long sweeping corners that force the tires to, you know, to wear a lot quicker as well, because they just always, you know, the pressure is always loaded to the side of the cars that's rolling through the corners. But it's also a track that rewards balls, like race, like circuits that like they're not, I keep using this word on the pod. They're not well manicured. You know what I mean? They don't have runoff. You don't have, you know, yeah, but, safety. But, but, but your balls not, dictate how fast Formula, you go. Because otherwise, Formula One isn't going. Formula One isn't going to go to race in Alabama because to show how big the balls are of the drivers. I understand, but I'm not but, saying Alabama. But, I'm just but, saying. But the point, yeah. But the point that grass. I think should be gleaned from that, regardless, grass or no grass, is. The tire formula at the moment is too safe, mm-hmm. and the um, sort of the there's no reward for trying to be ballsy, trying to do a three stop because you lose so much time in the pits that 
and there isn't enough drop off on the end of these long tires on the on these you know whatever if it's the hard tires or the soft like they're still the, the deltas are still too close that there's no the whole race it. on hard tires and they couldn't uh-huh. get past him that's what i'm saying like there's no like that's a that's a long that's a hot track as well that's a hot track you know, and and to do a whole race on on those tires with with very little stops as well. Was there one stop in that race for DeVries? One stop um, for everyone. Yeah, you know, no, but one one safety car. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know that was it. So realistically, for one set of hards, that's way that's still way too hard. It should be like what the F. What it, Mate, should, it be. should be three stops should, should be ideal. Two stops should be. You get the benefit of the track position, but you're going to get chased down at the end. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know why they don't, why the idea of only having one stop has seems to be the thing. Like doubling the pit stops gives it so much more jeopardy, and it, like the V8 supercars are doing one stop in a thirty-five minute race, and that was and that was adding a lot to the race because the tires then last about fifteen Mate, the, minutes. It's crazy, like off. in a in a forty lap race. The delta between a new tire and an old tire, around a fifty-second lap, by like by halfway through the race, it's three seconds. Yeah, between it, a new tire and an old tire. You know, you want to make, but and also even a two, a, even a one-stop strategy. Um, technically, the tires shouldn't even last that long. Like in an ideal scenario, you would go two-stop to get your fast way around, but then you give up the field position and you need a safety car and all that stuff. So even the strategy that they use isn't optimal. Um, and that's kind of what gives the jeopardy. Like if you're able to stay out 10 laps longer, then, you know, people better be careful because we saw with Van Gisbergen on the Saturday that um, being able to push the tires a little bit longer, um, you know, come the end of the race, it's, it's a dramatic um, advantage when you're, when you're chasing someone down, do you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not subtle. It's not, um, it's not like you get behind the car and, and then nothing happens because we've seen that ad nauseum in Formula One recently. It's no, you able to keep your tyres in the window for that much longer. You've kind of maximised the scenario. Great, this is your advantage. Uh, and then you see something from that. And to Kostecki's credit, I mean, he defended for his life. Um, and these this formula allows you to do that. The track allows you to do that. But, you know, you watch the supercars and we'll talk about it a bit later and you kind of saw simplifying of the formula, you know, simplifying of um, kind of regulations, simplifying of the actual construction of the car and what people have to worry about designing in the arms race, great racing. We've seen that in in IndyCar, like IndyCar is all spec, like supercars now, Um, the same scenario. And I'm I'm not advocating for a spec series for Formula One, but there are definite things that can be done to kind of, you know, another thing that sorry, I'm, I should pause and let Harry make his comment because he put his hand up five minutes ago. Sorry, man. Tell us what you wanted to say. No, I was just going to say um, I had a lot of time to think about it today. About in the past, I've really enjoyed Azerbaijan as a as a Grand Prix. It's always been a really interesting race. But then I sat back and I thought, was it interesting because? Of the jeopardy, or was it interesting because there was always incidents where it caused teams to make, you know, pit stops and it caused teams to um, make those kind of moves. And in a race where that didn't happen, did it play out how it usually would play out? Do you know what I mean? Like, are, are the tyres actually the issue? Is it? Well, 
Azerbaijan was traditionally a blowout tyre circuit. Well, yeah, it happened 2021, was it? He's in a, you know, and so people were worried. Mm. About, there, was a, there was a worry about if the tyres would last, you know, mm. so the people were pretty cautious about about doing it based on the speeds, based on that really fast speed that they're going into the, you know, that, that straight, you know, banking right, banking left, and all the mm. pressure that puts on the tyres. There was a concerns about that. And now, like, now without that, it's just... Well, that, Formula One have, um, I don't know if you guys saw, I think a tender went out for the new tyre suppliers. Mm. Um, I think starting 2025 or 2026. I'm hoping there's a... a a new brief. Um, we saw in Australia how good it would be to have some really hard tyres for qualifying where the cars are out and they are able to push for 10, 15 minutes at one time. Um, but I'd like to see some tyres that, that, like you're saying, do. They've got to break down, man. Like yeah. hard tyres, unless you're doing a, a six-hour race, mm. like an enduro race, keep them away. Or unless you've got a category that isn't dependent on tyres, to make overtakes like sports car or, racing or GT or racing give, with a tire. You give them you give them less sets for the weekend. Yeah. Mm. Or mandate they have to run three sets in the race, three different compounds. You don't, you don't have to your run two stop strategy. You don't have to do that. But if, if, if you like but imagine you did how much how much like you can start on any tire, but you've yeah. got all three compounds and then you've got to then you've got to figure out when you want to do it. That makes a lot of jeopardy. That's what, a top did, idea. What did um all the negatives out of the way. Let's let's go a bit positive. What did you guys actually enjoy about the weekend, Joe? I did. I, I didn't mind the sprint race. I wouldn't say. I, didn't, I wouldn't say like it was the best thing since sliced bread, but I didn't mind it. Like I thought there was. I thought it was it was good to see Carlos able to keep uh, not Carlos uh, Charles keep Max behind him for that race. I thought that was interesting. Um, I didn't expect it. Uh, I was impressed with Checo. I like. I think that this, the one thing that the sprint weekend does is when a, a driver like Checo can maximise it, he can really get a pretty nifty po- uh, set of points back rather than, you know, just the 25 to 18. So it's at seven. Um, but realistically, like for me, this what this weekend really did was it highlighted a lot of things in other motorsports that I also enjoy that, like, I, I watched the... The MotoGP sprint race and the F1 sprint race within a couple hours of each other, and I thought they were they was they were so like it's so different. It's not funny, um, and I think the sprint race really works in MotoGP, whereas in F1 it's sort of just like getting the first third of an F1 race mm. done, which, which is usually how it finishes anyway. Um, F- give or take, but MotoGP is a short race ish anyway, so a sprint race is. Yeah, like, but it's, it's shorter again. It's not a it's long, like, like, for example, you watch a sprint race, I don't feel like it's a super short race. No, but like the, Formula 1, but it's the like a 19-lap race. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, but the, dif- the, the difference as well is that, like, when you give, when you put, when you allow uh, teams in MotoGP the chance to sort of run a very aggressive tyre strategy, they are them being able to push harder because they know that they've got one-third of the race to complete on these tyres. It brings a lot of the, the the slower bikes into it a bit more because no one's really needing to. Um, what's the word like conserve tire? You know, so I but think you're like also in, in that- a scenario where you're not. It's not 
overtaking isn't difficult. You know what I mean in that particular. Yeah, but category. like, but like when you think of it, though, like the the if you're able to run the tires that you're usually running in a full race for 30 percent of it you can push a lot harder but in f1 the sprint race is usually what you do one tire stint as anyway yeah you know so there's a there's the way that it's sort of been worked out i think is is has benefited that sport a lot more mm. um reverse grid at like in formula two yeah yeah Let's talk about that today but then even but even the other thing that i thought as well was like we we're having that big debate about helping helping teams a couple of weeks ago when we had our big fight, helping teams get to the front of the grid, you know, and, and I was saying it should be done organically and you were saying it should be done a little bit more. Um, Strategically. Sort of, it will interfere with. Then I, then I was thinking about it and I was watching the MotoGP as well and I was like, that whole argument falls on its face because you look at what a team like KTM has done in one year. I know we're not on MotoGP, MotoGP podcast anymore, but you look at what a team like KTM has done literally within a year and having two bikes oi, finish. Oi, 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 oi. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't start me with this no, because, because no, no, but I'm saying, you make yourself sound I'm ignorant saying, because Formula 1, literally, I mean, MotoGP literally gives you extra engines, extra tires, extra leeway yeah, and until teams, you show that you are competitive to win a race. Yeah. And then yeah, once and then you get all, on the podium three times, you lose that extra privilege. Yeah. And so all the they teams, literally and, and, and do the team, give no, you the team extra mentioned The team I'm mentioning hasn't got any privileges. Smashed you. Oh, shut the fuck up. All the teams I'm, that are in there now haven't got privileges anymore. No, but they and did. They, Ducati and, and, did until they showed they're competitive. KTM did. Suzuki did. Yeah, but all of them in did, the last right? five years, in the last three years, it's been a Ducati in the rest grid. We could, we've spoken about that at nauseum, and there was no, and there was no, you know, benefits given to KTM to catch up because they still hadn't qualified for them yet. But if you put your head down and put the right systems in place, I feel like that, that they're a great example at the moment of just a team able to, you know, push the boundaries and adapt. And I was theme of that a lot because of our conversation a couple of weeks ago. Other than that, I thought um, I thought qualifying was interest, interesting. I thought that McLaren seemed to have made a, a somewhat jump. decent jump. Um, did they have upgrades coming this race? I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah they big did. upgrades. They did. Yeah. Um, and they seemed, they seemed to work pretty well. So I thought you guys would be happy. Um and I was happy that they worked. And I think the, the last thing that surprised me was I heard, um, I can't remember who it was, one of the commentators saying that the, the Ferraris, the Astons and the Mercedes are so very close together that it's going to be sort of the order of how it shakes out every week and they think is going to be very track dependent. And um, mm. I, I think it was Alonso and he said because they ran such hard tyres this weekend, the ability for the Aston, Aston to really stretch its legs over the Ferrari was minimized because the Ferrari, which is the car that has the um, Least sort of hardest time or the hardest time preserving its tires, were yeah. able to run such a hard tire that that didn't really allow itself to manifest. Um, it was good to see so, their pace, though, the Ferrari. I, I think um, as much as we give them, as much as we give them shit, like I, I saw, I watched. Charles this weekend and I was like he did he honestly couldn't have performed any better he got two poles in the races he well he beat a, a, a Red Bull in the sprint race which I probably wouldn't have expected and then other than yeah them easily breezing past him in the 
race. He did everything he had to to bring home maximum points, um, which is sort of it was sort of the weekend that when he puts the only everything thing together. That really he looks upset really me good. with that was this: you see Ferrari being as competitive as they've looked over the last half a year, and then you get into the race and until the DRS opens up, like Leclerc did a great job of keeping Verstappen behind him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then the yeah. DRS opens up and um, Verstappen clears Leclerc. And then even with the DRS, both those Red Bulls are a second a lot faster than even the Ferrari. So, like, even in that regard, when you kind of got this little sniff, that it was, it was very similar to in Melbourne when um, the, the Mercedes, Mercedes in the, the lead, front. when you had George and Russell in the lead, and George and George Lewis and in Russell. the lead, and, and kind of they were able to do something for a little bit, and you get this sniff off, you know, then something might be might be able to happen, and then DRS opens, and um, and it's just within ten laps, it's you know, it's a race of two, and kind of yes, it's great that you've got um, George Russell being able to go for the fastest lap because he's 18 seconds behind everyone that's been held up by Ocon and Hulkenberg, but he's still 38 seconds behind the leaders. You know what I mean? So, yes, that argument is true, but it is definitely um, was compounded by no-stop strategies for the people that were behind him for the majority of the race. So while true, I think it's a little bit facetious. Well, Max won, what, 15 races last year. Checo won two out of 23 yeah. or whatever it was. We've had yeah. four and Red Bull have won all four. And last year, I think Ferrari won three out of the first four. So mm. it, we could be in for a long season unless someone comes with huge upgrades that even gets somewhere close to that Red Bull. And I can't well, see mate, it happening. The only thing I could, I'm hoping for now is that Checo can keep this going because Realistically, if you had said Checo will be within six points of Max four races in, I would have probably laughed. Um, I just so, can't see him doing it. I, I can't, but I'm just saying, like you can only you can yeah. only hope. Mm. And and the longer the longer he, you know, doesn't make stupid mistakes like he made qualifying in Melbourne, mm. the the better his chances are. And like if he can, like he. He seems to be like a, a, a pretty like strong-willed um, sort of keep it to himself kind of guy, but whether he can do it, I mean, would you say he has a better chance of beating Max than Rosberg had of beating Lewis? No, no. Mm. Rosberg was a pretty bloody good racer. Yeah, I think we I think we take for granted how he's a little he got a little bit in his head sometimes, but when he wasn't. I think we take it for granted how how um, competitive and how interesting he kept the dominance of Mercedes because he was able to make that inter-team battle so mm. interesting. And ever since he sort of walked away and we had Botas um, sort of play perfect second fiddle and now George not really able to or, or even say Perez not match Max at all. For the first two years, it's um, it's probably that's probably been why we look at this now a lot more negatively than we did on those early Mercedes days. Mm. But 
We'll see. The the battle for the second and third in the championship, I think second, third, and fourth is going to be pretty think, epic. I think the battle from from second down, like for the the the, the for second to fourth in the uh, second to fourth in the championship, will probably mm. go down to the wire. And I think even the the battle at the bottom of the grid is going to be an interesting battle, to be honest as well. Even Williams look like they've made a step, like they're looking more consistent. Even though this is a, like a track for their car, they're still looking more cons- – well, Albon's looking more consistent. Well, even even Logan had a pretty – like he had a that crash in the qualifying for the sprint race, which fucked him up. But even to be to finish ahead of, what, four cars, mm. to finish ahead of Botas, to finish – like that whole mid – I think even finished ahead of maybe one of the Alpines. So to, to be – in that mix does show that at least that car has, has made this step to be in that, in that midfield. The thing is that they need to maximize on the weekends when they can get some higher points, which they haven't done. And all the other teams have. Um, Alpine have started yeah. pretty atrociously too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they have started surprisingly bad. Um, then they, they've literally gone from pushing on, what we thought was a mere a jump into the into the the top the big boys club. Mate, Fernando knew something that we didn't. I'll tell you that much. Mate, I tell you, everyone jumps on McLaren and calls them a tractor or whatever. And I don't. We don't actually know how good the Alpine is because we've barely seen it on bloody track this year. Like, keeps breaking down. They keep crashing. I, I don't. I just don't understand what's happening. Too wide that I've- nose. I thought we knew. I thought they knew how, like the the perfect, how to perfectly run that car because they spent all last year letting it blow up. Um, but Alpine's been blow- Renault's been I'm blowing engines for years, mate. Yeah, I know, but it's 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 still surprising. Let's, um, Let's talk about some supercars. Supercars, yeah. That was yeah. that was a really. Good, I thought that was a a fantastic weekend, to be honest. What were um, your key takeaways, Joe? Like, obviously, we had I like the mix. Three like different the mix race up. winners. We had three different races. You had a lot of different cars in the top tens qualifying. Like, we had a triple eight qualifying first, and then the race before that qualifying twenty first. Mm. You know, like where else do you get that in what other sport? Um, we had a lot of young guys sort of showing a lot of promise. We had in the second race, I think it was uh, Cam Hill was running really well for Matt Stone Racing in the top 10. We had uh, Payne James Golding really couldn't well. qualify all weekend, but was just yeah carving his James, way through the field. He was do- really dicing through. Uh, even um, Payne had a, had a uh, I think the second race as well, was looking really good in the top 10. Um, Looking forward a little bit behind? I was thinking that. Just but then a little it was, bit? It was, it was Kamara first and second and, thir- and then third for... Third, fourth, fifth, sixth was like Fords, and I was like, it's it, it could be lagging behind, but at the same time, I I can't. If you look at the championship, you've got Brody, then Mostert, and then Giza, and then Feeney, and then Waters. I think, um, mm. so it's not like that's not surprising or unsurprising. Um, if it is, it could. Even like, even they still qualified on pole as well. Davy Reynolds got a pole, I think. Mm. And, um, it's true. It's true. I th- like I, th- I do think it's too early to judge. You know, but I still feel like Supercars is smart enough that they can look at this and make very slight tweaks. Yeah, um, they'll, they'll keep tweaking till they till they get it. Like this happened with the like the Gen Two anyway. 
uh, very uh, rather than make very slight t- tweaks and keep it competitive, then do something rash and then you're kind of backing up the OLA because it's still like this yeah, weekend. Goes. I mean, all the racing was was awesome. Like, I'm so happy to see Erebus up there as another team that's like a genuine contender. I think that um, Penrite Racing is is there or they're like they're thereabouts right now. They're not exactly there. Um, but like you said, it was good to see David Reynolds up for two races. Max um, Matt Payne had a really good showing. Tickle Davidson, James Courtney good. had a good race. Um, Randall was up there one race. Waters was thereabouts on the Sunday. Had an absolute shocker on the Saturday. Um, thereabouts, Perkett was pretty like good. He, in had, he had race. much like he had it all this weekend. But that's a good thing for the sport to see more. Like I mean, um, Tim Slade was up there with with. Um, with uh, Peter Shiburis's team, Hazelwood um, was up there in the top five with uh, uh, Blanchard Racing. Like everyone, like there was a such a. Do you know who good... wasn't up there? Who? I was paying close attention. Winterbottom and LeBrock. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Sunday, LeBrock and uh, Winterbottom had a stonker. Did he? Um, Didn't he come last? Yeah. Yeah, um, but I was there. up there on the Sunday. So, I mean, yeah. uh, well, I think what you saw was a, like there was a good mix throughout. You know, it was, it was genuinely good racing. Strategy was important. Uh, yeah, I think the race on the Saturday was really good. I mean, Kostecki made him fight for it. And then after Saturday, I'm like, oh, here we go. It's going to be another kind of Red Bull day, uh, even though Feeney was, did nothing on the Saturday. And the Sunday first race was just, you know, Something like tenth, um, but then it was also come good back to twenty first. Van Gisbergen have his struggles and kind of get mired down a little bit in in a race too. So that was really good racing. I mean, I think one thing one thing that I thought was interesting was they asked they asked Will Brown what Erebus had done to prepare so well for that weekend, and he said we sort of just let the car come to us. We didn't make crazy changes when the track wasn't rubbered. So we weren't changing stuff before we realised that it was just the fact that there was no grip down. Um, and, and I think it's going to be interesting because... The less is more approach. Is, yeah, but like this is the first year there. So at the moment, the less, the less is more approach can work. But once you have another, like the, by the time you data. get there next year and, you, and if you haven't collected as much data as the other teams, then... It's going to be, it's not a problem for next year. It's a problem for next year, I suppose. Um, but how good is it that Erebus had such a strong weekend? I, I was, I was so happy with their young, their young drivers, you know, really getting amongst it. Um, yeah, I was thinking today, Brody's still the championship leader. <laughs> that most, extended his lead. I think, I think, I think most teams on the grid this weekend would have had like, Positives to take away from the weekend and learnings to take away from the weekend. All but probably, like, with the exception of Erebus, which I reckon was everyone. Yeah, on all weekend. I think every team had like highlights, um, whether it was lights. one of the cars doing well or kind of, you know, being able to move through the field. And all of the cars had, all of the teams had, you know, we didn't maximize this. This is something that we can work on. I think that's really healthy for the sport. Um, it's really healthy for fan engagement. It's really healthy for having fans spread about, you know, spread across lots of different teams. Um, but yeah, supercars this weekend. If if you know, we're racing at a very similar track think- in two weeks in Tasmania, and I can't wait but to see what's going to happen. Even at, um, think about it as well. Like the for- the formula was we're we're going to have three smaller races, which are usually the the least interesting 
supercar events, these ones, other than the GP. Um, but to then have sort of found the winning formula of, okay, we're going to do the small races, but we're going to run tyres that still don't allow you to be comfortable in that small race, still give you the scope to play a smart uh, tyre strategy or just change it up, I suppose. Um, that in itself, I think, lends such a, like lends itself so well to the future because, yeah, these these weekends probably aren't the, the like the major events of the season. They're not your, you know, the ones that everyone sort of uh, turns the TV on to watch, but at least you're putting on a great event for your fans and the people who do watch it are going to, you know, go away thinking, yeah, you know what? That was a great week. You know what? Three these races, are the cachet building rounds of the championship. You've got to maximize all three races. You know what I mean? I'm just glad yeah. that we're 100%. seeing that we're seeing competition. It's not just Red Bull and SVG walking it. So it's been great. Dude, I love, I love, I love watching these cars train around. Mm. Like, I, and and I don't know if I have noticed. I don't know if I've noticed more passing yet. I'm not sure. Because it's all like that whole placebo effect. If you think you're seeing it, then you're probably seeing just because you're being observant to it. But this guy, the placebo effect. Did supercars actually have an issue with passing? Because I don't remember ever thinking, oh, there's not enough passing in supercars. They they definitely had a problem with being able to run super close to the car in front of you because of the aero and and the downforce and what F1 was having. and I just saw, I just kept noticing so many, like so many more, uh, sort of from you know sends, um, and I was like, I don't remember if last year there was this many or if I'm just noticing it more. I think but, you could also be aware that um, Newcastle's a pretty narrow circuit where they started, and then the changes to. Um, Albert Park kind of make it harder for overtakes. Like it, it went from a lot more, like, for example, the old chicane in sector two was a good yeah. spot for supercars to overtake because you had to brake quite heavily, right? They lost yeah. that um, and and kind of the reprofiling of the section. But I think, but after I think, that again, I think even the, they've taken off hard. so much, I think that because they've taken off so much aero, the tyres are doing so much more work to keep the cars planted. Mm. That they're just wearing quicker as well, which is I think, fantastic. I think I think this race, um, like traditionally, Barbie Gallo's pretty high passing track. Yeah, I would say that it was. I don't know. I think a little bit better, particularly going into the the like you know. I don't know what number it is. But one, two, three, four, turn five. The big yeah. horseshoe turn five, and then definitely, definitely into the back, like into the last corner. People were able to break a lot, like they were able to put that the move on from a lot further behind. So last well, year, if, if they were kind I'm of thinking. two cars behind, it was a little bit too far to make that move into the last corner. Whereas today, like this weekend, they were they were sending it. Um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking good. about tracks like. Uh, that are coming up like Tasmania and then also uh, Queensland Raceway that have the the, the long the long corners. Mm. Um, I'm I just I'm just more excited for the events that I was never really excited for because I always thought it's a bit more processional. The races are too short to really 
change the order if you're shooting qualifying unless there's a problem. Um, Mate, I think it all depends yeah. on the tyres they bring. If they start yeah. to continue to bring the high deck tyres, um, then I but, think they, they should. I mean, they Tasmania should use, should, is a good track. They should use There's one really those. good overtaking position, but again, uh, you only really get great racing when you've got a high deck tyre that when you've got those split strategies. Um, but from what I've seen so far, like I've I've genuinely enjoyed it. The cars look harder to drive. You, you, I think one thing you are seeing are more small, like really small mistakes that um, yeah, that yeah. cars behind are able to capitalize on, um, and that's like that's like that's part of overtaking. That's part of racing. It's not all just you know setting up and making a pass. It's also being able to put pressure and and having a, a car that's kind of you're having to wrestle and then you know punishing those little little mistakes. You know what I mean? Being able to make a little mistake and or pressuring someone to make a little mistake and then using the run to to do something with it. So well, I'm well, Jesse Yates, really impressed so far. Jeff Yates made a really good or well, interesting comment after the race. She was asking Brock Feeney after his win. And she said, do you think because you haven't really been driving the older cars for that long, so you sort of had to adapt to the older generations in Super 3, then the newer generation again in Super 2, then adapt again in supercars for a year, whatever it was, and then change again. You've never really built that muscle memory with that whole gener- like that what last generation of car where you sort of got into the sort of a rhythm and your brain knew exactly where you what you're doing at that at that track. Um, and he said he wasn't sure, but I was thinking we do like it would be interesting to see how this year goes if a lot of the guys who haven't been in the category long, like Fraser, um the Kostecki Feeney seem to be fin- like it's hard to measure all because they could just be progressing, but if they finish higher, then probably we would have expected by the time the season shakes out. If that could be a case, I think you're getting. And then having, I, think, I don't know. I think two. I think you're seeing a lot of the same talent in the same yeah positions. What's that yeah, but that's but true. you're seeing like let's say last year when you would have might have had Ben Gisbergen. Waters, Mostert. I think it was uh, Ben Gisbergen. You're seeing the same Mostert, 10, Waters. let's say, but you're seeing a mixed up. Order. So the top 10 yeah. is the same kind of people, but mixed up more. The bottom 10 is the same kind of people, but mixed up more. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, like I'm really impressed with how it's gone, and I just hope it continues. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really good. And the beautiful thing is you've got two weeks to wait for supercars. Formula One. We'll be is back what, next weekend weeks? with... Was it next weekend? Miami. Five, five races in six weeks. Um, really? Yeah. So it's good for the pod, but please, please... No, it's going to be... It's, it's good for the pod. It's it. It's good for the pod. Just give us something to talk about. There's water, in the, there's water in the marina this year too, which is good. Is there? No. There's actual water in the marina. They Mate, posted it up it. on their page. They've done it. They've, they've, they've fixed the sport. That's right. It's all sorted. <laughs> anyway, we'll see how we go, boys. So, I, again, I, thank I, you so much for jumping dude, in. How, can um, we just acknowledge how good is a weekend like that when there's that much racing? You and live golf. And live. And I watched two no. full, nearly two full days of this. This was the amazing part. Friday afternoon, home from work, pre-practice for WEC, qualifying late at night. Saturday, dude. 8 o'clock, WEC's racing in Spa. How good is that? Then you've got your sprint races, 
Then you've got the Sunday. You've got your Formula One starting at nine. You've got MotoGP saving the day with an amazing race after that. You wake up in the morning, brush like bright-eyed, brush-tailed, bushy-tailed, whatever they say, 5.30, and you have this absolute epic race. Like it was... It was wife, a great weekend of racing. There's not enough. Tara home, came, but Tara came home and she's like, did you miss me? And I said, sorry, but I didn't have a chance to. <laughs> I, was too, I was too entertained for the whole weekend. <laughs> you poor kids you probably, got, um, your poor kids probably got rectangular eyes, but that's all good. Nah, I kept him entertained, but mate, what a what an awesome weekend. I, we didn't even touch on WEC and I just enjoyed watching that for what it was. Mm. It's fantastic mm. as well. Anyway, mate. Boys, so good. Thanks for chewing the fat with you again, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please continue, share, subscribe, like, keep communicating and interacting with the socials. We always appreciate it. So, again, thank you so much. Have a great night. We'll see you again next week for, you know, another episode of the Racing Line podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, mate.